speaking to a man that's been to the Olympics, you know, how, how was that experience? And, you know, I, I was watching the news in 2016 and, and the big headlines was that it was just a sex fueled party. Um, so how, how was that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, it was uh, in terms of performance and the way that I was obviously incredibly unhappy. You're talking about the track racing, correct? Not the sex of the village. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, not that. No, that, that one's great, um, Dave. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, but yeah, like the like I said, I was obviously uh, I was going to say underperform, but I don't want to say that without <laughs> going to the other thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly underperformed at the Olympics on the track. A slow, meandering affair. He wants to kick. He's got to go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick podcast. I'm your host, David Ribbage. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with Australia's next top model. He's medaled at the Commonwealth Games, made it to the world semifinal in 2017, and is the second Olympian we've had on this podcast. But all you guys know that because he posts about it on Instagram every week. Um, <laughs> so in all seriousness, uh, this guy has a stash that I can only dream of having and is one of the coolest guys on the world circuit. And it is, of course, Luke Matthews. What's up? What's up, dude? What's going on? Hey, thanks. Yeah, geez, bit of a bit of an introduction. Not quite sure what to make of that, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, certainly listened to a few of your guys' podcasts, so... I'm excited and I think a little bit nervous for the questions that I'm gonna gonna have. I feel like that's the normal response to things, especially when I do the intro. People are normally taken back. Sometimes I roast people a little bit and they get a bit annoyed at me. But <laughs> this is this is a morning edition from from Melbourne and a night edition for the boys. So I think that's the first big time yeah. zone difference. So uh, we've got a, a, a coffee driven Luke Matthews right now. So that's good. Yeah. Well, I just like to think that. Um, Oh, hopefully we haven't raced. I don't think we've raced before, Josh. But similar to how my days are, I'm just a, I'm just a little bit ahead of you, so we'll hopefully keep it that way. <laughs> I yeah, love it. I love it. Yeah, this isn't even on our script, but I I assume that it's 5 p.m. in Australia because really the time zones don't exist. I go on this tangent a few times on runs, but time zones really don't exist. So 5 p.m. to you is waking up in the morning and having a, a good old time, but 5 p.m. to us is like this cloudy, rainy Seattle. So really, we are all at 5 p.m. It just means a little bit uh, different. Does that right? Does that make sense, Josh? <laughs> no, mate. You've blown my mind. So look, are you training right now? Are you taking some time off? Like, what's your structure right now? Oh, I tell you what, 2020 even though the world's been pretty crazy it's been a pretty up and down year for me as well so i um i tore my planner back in march which was yeah made an absolute meal of it uh so i had about yeah i literally had three months where i didn't run and then kind of you know middle to tail end of june started my build up back uh got to a decent level of fitness i was probably at about oh close to 100 100 k's a week so what's that like 60 70 odd miles yeah yeah yeah, so what Josh um, is up that... season. <laughs> so, so yeah, I got to I got to about yeah 100 k's, and then um, I got a little bit of a niggle in my quad. Not a, it's just a bit of inflammation. So I'm in a I'm in a down week, and then I'm hoping next week we can, I can get back into training because with how the current crop of um, Australian 800 and 1500 meter runners are going right now, I need to be bloody on point next year. <laughs> So let's, let's talk a little bit about the structure for, for Australia athletics. Like 
I see you guys just chasing track season all year. Like what, when does your track season kind of start and end? Yeah, it's, it's a, it certainly would be an interesting dynamic for anyone that lives Northern hemisphere, I suppose. Um, the way that I look at it is I, well, if we kind of start from the start, um, you know, usually a, a major championship or the European season finishes, you know, kind of middle of September. And I'd say for the most part, come October 1st, which is probably not too dissimilar for you guys, is when most people are starting their base season. So I, I, I kind of channel that and um, I'm one that, you know, usually has a bit of, bit of fun and a bit of time off in their off season and puts on a fair bit of weight. So I... Uh, I wonder what that's like. I'm, I've never... It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't ring a bell to me. <laughs> so, so for me personally, I usually, I usually start on the back foot pretty early. Um, but it's weird because usually by the end of October, start of November, that's when, that's, that's almost the start of the Australian summer. And at that point, there's, you know, kind of like, you know, similar to like um, British Milers clubs and stuff like that. They're kind of starting, you know, November, December. And then we also have our national 10,000 10, meter championships in December. So if you're not, if you kind of start on the back foot, you know, October 1st or whatever it is, you can't really get too much racing pre-Christmas and I'd like to be one that could race pre-Christmas, but I always get myself caught in this trap of being too unfit and a little bit overweight, but that's a story for a different <laughs> You time. guys must be crap at um, cross-country then, if you guys don't even have a season for it. You never uh, see the yeah, Aussies well, on top of the podium at, at World, world Cross-Countries. Oh, well, I don't see too many Brits or Americans either, but that's... Yeah. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, well, well, um, that's the thing. We because if you're if you're running on the international level, you don't really have too much of a cross country season because cross country is between say April, May, and you know September. Um, so yeah, for us, we kind of the way that I look at it is I probably you know tr uh, I, the way that I try to mirror the Australian season is we usually have like a you know an uh, uh, an altitude camp or something like that. Either I try to go November and January and. It's not that I want to do that. I literally need to do it to get myself back into fitness. Uh, and then I, I always try to start racing by January, February um, with the Australian season kind of finishing in April with our national championships and our, essentially our, our trials for that year. So the way that I look at it is I pretty much just say that, you know, while you guys are doing indoors, we're essentially just doing a track season outdoors. And then, you know, come April, then it's kind of get back into that, altitude training block and then the, the European season starts or the American season or, or you know, just pretty much anywhere that's not in Australia for us. Yeah. You're definitely the most Australian person I've ever talked to. Cause I'm like, I'm decent <laughs> friends with Morgan McDonald and Ollie Hoare, but yep. you take the cake for Australian accent and Australian likeness. So, um, yeah, it's how you get the birds. So we've heard. So I like, uh, I like listening well, to you. <laughs> just, uh, just speaking about Morgan, we, we went to world juniors together in 2014, um, in, at Oregon. And, at that point, he'd already committed to go to Wisconsin. And it was like as if he was preempting and he was just, he was, it's like as if he was already taking on the American persona. We were in, you know, we, were, we went to, we went up to Vancouver for our pre-camp and then we went to Oregon and we obviously, I've, I've known Morgan for a while and we're obviously, you know, pretty much together, you know, most days. And it's like as if he just was preempted what it was going to be like for the next four or five years. He was already speaking with an American accent. So I don't know if he put that on or what, but yeah, he, you speak to him now and, you know, and I think it's just, it's like, it's like speaking to an American. He says that just the same like slang words and typical things. And he's, he's even has that like kind of yeah American twang to his, yeah. to his uh, accent. But yeah. You see that a lot, I, 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 
you see that a yeah, lot with, with like Europeans and, and you know Aussies and stuff that come over to the, to the US. Do you think he's the worst that you, you've you've heard? Um, oh. or is O'Hare taken? Yeah, that? I'd, I'd, well, that's the thing. I haven't I haven't spoken in person with Ollie in a while because um, he's he's pretty much been in America the whole time. So I suppose Morgan, I get to see the most subject matter from because. I'm, I'm with him all the time and it's like, yeah, you, you're just Americanized now. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad thing. I mean, America's great. Home of the free, home of the brave. Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so back to, uh, back to the racing though. So how does the Australian circuit then affect like your build up to a major championships, having that national championship so far ahead of a global race? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I, I'm kind of in two minds about it. Um, like I said earlier, is the, the Australian the Australian middle distance, the distance crop, um, you know, like you look at it, you know, Morgan McDonald, Ollie Hoare, Stuart McSwain, Matt Ramsden, Ryan Gregson, like the, the and then that's 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 fifteen hundred and five K. Then there's a whole heap of one forty four, one forty five runners at the moment that are just so at the moment, like the the crop of running specifically for my events is just incredibly elite. So I think in the past, it's always kind of been one of those things where, you know, if you're a, if you're you know going to go to the Olympics, it's kind of like well, almost the way that some of you guys would treat your indoor season. It's it's not the be all and end all. If you don't run too well in the indoors, it doesn't. It's not normally going to reflect how you're going to go, you know, outdoors or how you're going to go in the major champs come August. But as 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 the landscape is right now, it's getting really tough. So I'm I, at the moment, I'm not even thinking past. March, April, because if I don't run well in March or April, I might not actually make make the major major champ. So, uh, in the past, it's definitely been a, a circumstance where it's like, yeah, you know, tr- try to get through the domestic season as as best as possible, knowing that you need to have an extra gear. So, there's definitely been times, you know, like in 2017 after the Olympics, where I was pretty unfit, pretty pretty just battered, you know, mentally and physically, where I kind of just got through it. Uh, but then there's been times, say, in like 2016, uh, probably 2019 as well, where I probably put too much emphasis on the domestic season and then it kind of affected my, my whole tail end of the year and I was just absolutely cooked. So in a, in a, in a simplified way, you want to be able to win the national championships, but just know that you still have to go to another gear come you know, May onwards. But like I said, when you're racing Stewie McSwain, who's now just running 331s for free, it's it's uh it's not easy <laughs> yeah that yeah yeah some of those, those marks because what was his 3k he just ran an incredible 3k right like seven yeah 728 so if i just if a I cash did, if, yeah if i ran like a, a 359 mile right now i'd be yeah i'd be, yeah. I'd be wrapped he, he, he pretty much did that back to back <laughs> yeah it's absurd so you didn't go to the nca system correct yeah i one thing that i definitely you know thought on for a long time but i ended up yeah opting against it but yeah yeah okay because um because like the obviously the americanized australian um, people that we we know personally is morgan and ollie so they've gone to the the united states system so what is the australian athletic education system because josh you guys have what is it called bucks like british university champs yeah 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 pretty much but there's no i think you get like a thousand pound scholarship to go to uh to go to a university it's not anything like major and you don't go there specifically really for running you go and get your education and and the running side you normally just run for your club and you run for your your uni for bucks and stuff but that's probably once a year twice a year something like that so it's nothing like very special so uh yeah it's it's definitely not 
a similar system in my eyes. Yeah, what, what's Australia like? Um, yeah, well, look, like, I'm just spending a lot of time um, in the UK, in Teddington. When I was with my, my old training group, I was, I was around St. Mary's a lot, which is kind of like one of, probably one of two running universities in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that if, if, if the UK is a very informal university athletic system, then Australia, Australia don't even compare to the UK. So there's no, there's no university or collegiate system by any means. Um, you, it's, you know, you pretty much just run for your club. Um, if you, if you're good enough, you're a part of a, a decent training group, but yeah, there's no, there's no system like that at all. There's the thing, the thing which I actually um, love about the UK is that even though you're a part of whatever university, whether it's St. Mary's or Loughborough or something like that, you'd still happily run at the Bucks or, you know, like I saw Jake Whiteman every year would go and compete at the Bucks and I'm pretty sure Charlie Grice and stuff like that used to do that. But, you know, we have a university games every year, a track field and a cross country, but that is honestly just a piss take. Like I don't even know anyone that's even gone to it. So now nah, if you want to, if you want to be involved in a, in a, in a university, you know, running type system, then the only option you have is to go to Australia. And I think that you, it's seeing now is that, pretty much mo most of the decent juniors that are coming through are opting to go to um, college instead of staying in Australia because there's just, there's just nothing here. And if you don't, I was in a bit of a unique situation where I could kind of join somewhat of a professional group. If you don't have that, then you can't, it's, yeah, it's pretty tough. And it's yeah. just, it's, 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 there's a lot of uh, running can be a, a, just a dead end a lot of the time for, for, for a lot of, you know, 19, 20 year olds. So it's a pretty tough landscape, but you know, that being said, it's, it, it obviously can be done because we still do have a really good crop of athletes that have been produced out of Australia. So did you go to university straight after um, high school or no? Because you're in university yeah. now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I started, I finished, so we fin I finished November, December 2013 and then semester one, because we're kind of essentially backwards to you guys. Uh, I started university in March of the following year. So it's the uh, it's the longest business degree I've ever experienced, and I, wait, I you're still in the same else. degree? Yeah, yeah. I uh, it's well, I've deferred and so I've like paused it like three or four times, and yeah, I've I've I'll be if I keep at the same rate as I am right now, I'll have a business degree by the end of next year. So 2013 right. to 2021. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but at the same time, it's, <laughs> a degree is a degree. That's something to work for. Yeah, well, the way the way that I justify it is, even if I had a degree right now, I probably wouldn't be using it. So <laughs> that's true. That's fair. I, uh, I I put mine on pause last year um, for a year to get ready for the Olympics, and that went great. Um, so I'm a year <laughs> behind now as well. Um, yeah. But you know, speaking to a man that's been to the Olympics, you know, how how was that experience? And you know, I I was watching the news in 2016, and, and the big headlines was that it was just a sex fueled party um so how, how was that uh, <laughs> um yeah look it was the, the olympics were i don't know it's all, i think being a track and field athlete it's one of those things where it's like essentially the pinnacle like if you do track and field you want to go to the olympics if you want to if you play soccer or football whatever you guys call it, you want to play in the epl and play in the world cup and stuff like that so um it, it was certainly one of those things where i was like yeah that's you know a goal that's ticked off uh, in terms of performance and the way that I was obviously incredibly unhappy. You're talking like about I the said. track racing, correct? Not the sex of the village. 
<laughs> yeah, no, not that. <laughs> no, that, that one great, um, Dave. I wouldn't worry about that. Um, but yeah, like the like I said, I was obviously uh, I was going to say underperformed, but I don't want to say that without <laughs> <laughs> to the other thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly underperformed at the Olympics on the track. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, was a little, yeah, a little bit obviously upset and disappointed about that. But in terms of the Olympic experience as a whole, it was, it was certainly a little bit different because it just, you know, Brazil as a country, it was, there's certainly times when you felt a little bit unsafe and it just, you know, it felt like you, it just felt like kind of some parts were a little bit incomplete and, you know, like the village didn't feel like that real village feel. But away from that, it was, yeah, pretty incredible. Like got to see, get to see Usain Bolt getting the three golds, get to see, one of the best Olympic 1500 meter finals ever. And in terms of just the track and field and performance, that was incredible. Away from that, yeah, it was, it was good. I, uh, I, well, my hope was to make the, either the 800 or the 1500 final, got knocked out in the heats in both, which obviously was a incredible. Hey, I, I was going to say, I've been there. I haven't been there in the Olympics doing that, but I've definitely been there on the world stage doing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, at the, at the time it's pretty depressing, but you look back later and it's like, ah, oh, well, um, but yeah, I obviously had planned to make the 1500 final and, you know, run a 50 second last lap like Centrowitz didn't get to do that. Didn't even, <laughs> didn't even think my quickest lap on the track was about a minute, but whatever. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the only positive out of that was that I got six days free at the end to pretty much destroy myself with, with food and alcohol. So yeah, certainly got to experience the, the great times of Copacabana and um, got to go to a lot of parties and and yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, able to fulfill any of those headlines that you mentioned, but I had some fun. <laughs> That's good to hear. I'm, I mean, we're going to, we're going to be on a little clean over conversation um, and transition actually into a next, uh, next portion. But so you're coached by your mom for a bit, correct? Josh wrote mom, but I don't say mom. So I'll say mom. Um, so how was yeah. that? Uh, yeah. Well, mom, mom, mom is still coaching mom. me. Wait, do you um, say mom or mom in Australia? Everyone says mom, mate, because it was a mom or mom. a mom. Yeah. M-U-M. A kangaroo mom. <laughs> I think only Americans say M O M. But but yeah, no, I've still been coached by my mum. So that's pretty much been since World Champs of 2017. So uh, look, I think she's a she's an incredibly good coach. She's got she's she should there's a chance that she probably should have three. I'd say definitely two, maybe three at the next Olympics. Um, yeah, she's a smart lady and she's got it all going and. It certainly comes with its challenges. I mean, I, I always say this to people like, what would it be like to be coached by your parent? Or at times, what would it like to be living with your coach? So it's uh, certainly an interesting dynamic. And But um, I think that there's there's huge upside for, for what we've got planned. And we've also got some decent results in the past. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, relationship. And it's certainly had its, had its uh, you know, Travels along the journey, but um, I wouldn't change it for anything leading into Tokyo. That's good. Like, so I know you were with um, Melbourne Track Club for a little bit, and then you guys split, and then you went with your mom, and and you know you're, you're able to move around. You're in Flagstaff sometimes, and how is that like dynamic change? What were the decisions made during that process? Like, how was all that? Um, yeah, well, um, I think World Champs in 2017. That was kind of one of those things where. For me, it, like, I, I never thought that I'd be able to, like, reading stories in the local newspaper or 
the the national newspaper about me leaving my coach would be a big deal. So when you actually read those things, it's like not not trying to you know big note myself. I'm just saying like it obviously has like a fair bit of a emotional effect on you because it was such an emotional time. And um, yeah, at the World Champs, even though I I was I feel like I got a pass mark with how I ran. Um, I feel like I came to a bit of a crossroads with my running as a whole, and I kind of dabbled around with speaking to a few coaches. So spoke to Jake Whiteman's dad, Jeff. And at one point I was pretty set on going there. Maybe I should have, I would have ran 329 by now, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's a different story. Um, thought about possibly making the move over to America with one of the, one of the Nike groups. Um, but then after kind of sitting down and speaking to a few people and with how my life is set up in Australia, the, the thing that made the most sense was to go back to mum and, I at the time, mum was only a mum was only a pretty much a junior level kind of rec rec running coach. So yeah. brought on brought on Craig Mottram, the famous big Mazungo, as as mm-hmm. a as a bit of a mentor to help myself and mum out. Um, and he kind of not not that he's you know out of my life now, and, and it's not like I don't speak to him. We kind of leaned on him a fair bit for the first six months leading into the Com Games. Um, but yeah, now, but then you know kind of kind of justified moving to a coach like my mum when in 2018 I was able to run uh, 145 a handful of times, won a third national championship and then won the bronze medal at Com Games. So, yeah, so leaving my old coach was, yeah, like I said, just a complete crossroads. But, you know, I'm, I'm here now and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the decision I made. Well, yeah, I, um, I'll go for it, Josh. I just want to know, like, I've never, I've never personally done it where you double a major championship at the Olympics or, you know, the Commonwealth Games or whatever. What is the thought process behind that? Because it's such an intense schedule where, you know, you have the ability to medal at one of the events and you're just undecisive. Like, what, what's the chat there? Like, why, why is that decision? Uh, yeah, well, 2016, 2016, like... You know, leading into 2016, my goal was to qualify just to just just to qualify and be picked for the Olympics. And then, fortunate enough that I ran out of my skin leading up to May, and I, I qualified for both events. And at that time, I you know I just thought you know one I was only I was I turned 21 in June that year, so I just thought you know what why not just why not just do both? And it's not if and and the reason why I ran terribly in the Olympics was purely because I was cooked. It wasn't that I was, you know, I focused on two events. I'm, 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 I'm of the belief that for me personally, not, not that this is a blanket statement for everyone. I believe that if I'm in my best 800 meter form, then I'm also going to be in my best 1500 meter form. So I, the only thing that I think would change is maybe the last two or three weeks leading up to a championship in terms of 12 months of training. Um, the, but the, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not unaware in the sense that you kind of have to put all your eggs in one basket. Like, you know, for example, speaking of Jake again, he qualified for both for Doha uh, and he picked the 1500. So I'm fully aware that if you want to, you know, hopefully medal, you know, make a final, more than likely being a, a Western, Western runner, you have to probably pick one event. Uh, and that's the reason why at Commonwealth Games, I did end up doubling because the 800 metres was first. And I I thought that I was more of a chance to win the 800 than I was the 1500. So so pretty much I put all my eggs in one basket. I focused on the 800 and then anything that happened in the 1500 was a bonus. I think the thing that happens next year is that um, I think that, you know, I've got potential to qualify again in both events. And it's just a matter of at that point, 
what do I think that I have a better chance in? If I think that I'm going to be a finalist in the 800, if I think that I'm going to be a finalist in the 1500, I need to pit those ideas together, not regret on it, not sit on it, and just make a decision. So I think 800 is a move, mate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't need any more talent in the 15, mate. Just stick to the 8, you'll be fine. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm, I don't know. 50, the, the whole process of going out in 48 or 49 seconds in an 800 just scares me so i don't even know if i can run that flat so but yeah i i I think that i'd always like to be one that can qualify in both events but i do think going forward you have to pick one and in an ideal world i think going forward 1500 will probably be my event i'd love for the 1500 to be first and the 800 comes second but the way that the schedules have been of late that's that's not the case so maybe i just have to Maybe I just have to avoid the 800 for now. <laughs> yeah. We, um, it's interesting, like your, your story and, and your ability to double in those things, because a lot of the times like our po- podcast is typically with guests that are, and this isn't to say you're old because I think you're barely older than I am, but like, like people that came right out of college, like we had the on running group and the, that group is like newly minted. They're all experiencing like bright eye type stuff. We had Courtney Frerichs, like world silver medalist, but she's so specific that it like made sense. But like with you, like you can bounce around and you have the ability to go back and forth. Now with that said, you also weren't in the NCA system. So like that really sets you apart other than Jake Whiteman um, that we've had on the podcast. So then for you, because you're kind of like a freelancer, like a nomad, um, so what is like your favorite place to then train? Um, whether it's like in Australia or the U S I guess like anywhere in the world, like what's your favorite spot and why? Um, there's a, there's a place in Australia called Falls Creek. Um, so if you follow, um, pretty much any Australian run on, you know, socials, you'll see that either in November, December or January, or, and then, so kind of two trips each year, um, we go to a place called Falls Creek and the only way that I could maybe, maybe say it's equivalent would maybe be like a font remote or something like that without the track. So mm-hmm. it's essentially in the winter time, that's a, that's a ski village and there'll be thousands and thousands of people there, you know, from June through to September. And it's literally just this place. Yeah. Like I said, no, tra- the closest track is about maybe an hour and a half, two hours away. Um, so you, you can get some work in, but just this place where every every trail is up and down. You're you're running on you're running on rocks, and you, you feel like every step you're doing a you know a single leg jump and a, yeah. a bound every step. So for me personally, it's I almost get two benefits out of it. When I go on my November trip each year, that that's purely just to build on my aerobic side. But then in the January time, because we we do have that domestic season, I feel like it's even though I don't do track work the whole time I'm up there, I feel like I get really, I get really quick and really fit. And I've ran, I've ran 145 and 146, you know, two or three days after coming off the mountain. So for me, if, if I could access that place all year round, I'd spend 12 months there. Um, so that's, that's one place. And I'd say another, another place that I do really love is it definitely has to be Flagstaff. That's, just that's what I was waiting for. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Flagstaff it versus everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm an Under Armour athlete, so I think those are Under Armour t-shirts. So I should have yeah. worn. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into we'll get into that. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 I wanted I mean, to talk about Under Armour. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a, a stress free um, location because you know it, there's with how many runners there and how many people I know there and you know the the running community there. It's just 
you literally land, come in, and everything's set up, and you've you've got runs twice a day that you can just easily go to without even having to speak to someone. So, um, yeah, I really like both. I uh, I'm I'm not sure exactly what my plans are for the 2021 yet, but based on how I've ran, uh, based on how it's gone the last few years, I'm assuming that I'll I'll probably end up there. Yeah. Um, I'm happy you said Flagstaff because that segues a lot into what we're saying next. Um, but yeah. I also have a really stupid question. Um, and I don't know why I think this, maybe it's because of my American education, but what's, does, oh, this is so stupid. Does Australia have like a mountain range or like, what's the highest altitude of Australia? Cause when I think of Australia, I think sea level, coral reef, kangaroo jack jumping around. Like what's the highest <laughs> altitude of Australia? It was not very well traveled. Um, I'm throw us out if you put a map up there and give me a dart, um, it, I could hit Australia, but uh, I wouldn't want to do it. Is that your dart ability or is that your knowledge? Probably my dart ability. Um, but yeah, so go ahead, go ahead and talk about the, the altitude then of Australia. Is that like um, in brief? I don't need a full class I mean, Australia, class Australia on. is massive, mate. You realize how big it is, yeah. right? It's like Alaska, it's, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so Under Armour. Um, so, you know, you moved, you moved from like it's Under Armour. Um, what are, uh, you know, what's Under Armour offering that stands out compared you know, to other companies in your eyes, like when they gave you the contract other than the massive dollars they were offering, what was the, uh, what, what was going on in that contract? I know every contract's different, so. Yeah, just the seven figures over, you know, <laughs> X amount of years, just a blank check. <laughs> um, yeah, well, obviously, like you said, you know, every every contract you sign, it's, it's still a business decision at the end of the day. And I, I think that, you know, not to get into exact things, but obviously what I was on with Nike and Under Armour, you know, weigh them up and you kind of have to make a decision based on that. Um, I think another thing as well is that, um, you know, Under Armour is, even though it's a, it's got a long history, it's, it's in the, in the running department, it's only been around for, you know, five years. So um, away from, you know, contracts and all those little nitty gritties, it's, it's, it's a place where, you know, if I'm upset or annoyed or, or not that I'm, uh, you know, if I've, if I've got a voice about shoes or I've yep. got a voice about something, you know, I get to see the impact in, in how that gets played in the, you know, the, the technology of the shoes and stuff like that. So uh, you know, I like the fact that, you know, on Monday, on Monday or Tuesday, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a zoom call with 10 people from Under Armour talking about shoes that are going to fit exactly me. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's it's just one of those number, it's one of those places where, you know, certainly at, at some of those big places, I think that you can feel a bit like a number sometimes. And you know, in the in the role of sports marketing, you know, I'm competing against you know these big NBA basketballs and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's good to know that you kind of it's very cliche, but the way that the Under Armour professional track and field team is, it, it's like a, a family, which I thought at the time was like I said, cliche, but when you actually get to know that your voice is being heard and um, you get to have decisions in, in what happens and you get to be the voice of things going forward, I think it's a, it's a really cool aspect. And away from that, I just think that Under Armour as a whole is a pretty cool brand, you know, not just track and field, but across all sports. So, you know, I really like, you know, Tom Brady and Joel Embiid and stuff like that. And to, to be kind of, to go to the headquarters and be in the same places as they've been and, see the, the photos of them going around it's pretty crazy but, but yeah it's also it's also for me like uh as you probably realize i, I, swear, I like like the attention on myself every now and then and um being like one of few under armor athletes in australia and 
kind of being the one person to only wear the brand, it's it's a pretty cool dynamic and I'm I'm really enjoying being an ambassador for it. Nice. Yeah, that's like I mean that's very relatable to Josh and I's situation because both of us signed out with Brooks and um yep. having a voice and having a Zoom call like I was in a we did shoe testing up here like two weeks ago for a new product that's coming out that's super dope and it's like they say like how does this fit? Um what would you change? What does this feel like compared to something else that you've worn? And it's just like being able to directly tell the people creating those spikes is is like is huge because it's like you don't want to wear product. You don't want to represent a company that you don't necessarily 100% agree with the decisions being made. Mm-hmm. And being able to be a part of those decisions, I think, is something that should move the sport forward for into all of track and field. So in total yeah, agreement I'm, with yeah. you. Yeah, and I, I think that because even by, by no means that Brooks doesn't have a, a history of running because I was, I was wearing Brooks when I was a little kid. Um, but you guys are, are kind of the, you guys are kind of the, the one professional group in the world that um well the, the, all the investment is going to be put into you guys so mm-hmm. i feel like they need to be listening to the to the athletes and yeah totally. it's, you, you, you're literally saying the exact same things that i know i think it's it's really good and it's yeah it's it's, it's awesome to know that your voice is being heard and yeah you're literally helping pushing sport for exactly. pushing the sport forward yeah. yeah yeah you know you're not a number you, you're actually you know listened to and, and respected which is always great um something yeah. i always like to ask um because i know you're not kind of signed to a group and and um do you do you see um under armor creating more groups do you see them going towards the kind of contracting people or new athletes to groups rather than contracting them to the brand do you see that happening yeah i'm gonna add to right before yeah. you get started um also uh, kind of josh like what you're saying off that like not only Under Armour, but like, do you think that the the future of training groups are creating more training groups that are more catered to the athletes or like you sign to a group opposed to a specific company? So it's kind of like a two-parter. Is that right, Josh? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's difficult because you've got, you've got groups like say the boss art group, which is like a group that have sponsors rather than, you know, a sponsored group. Yeah. Um, and I, I just feel like that could be the future, but I don't know. I, I want to know your yeah. opinion on it. Um. Well, I, I think that the only way to really look, it, it's hard to it's hard to look at that kind of dynamic in Australia because I'd say that in terms of an, an elite and professional group, there's only really one in Australia which has that kind of commercial pull, and that's probably the Melbourne Track Club. So, in Australia, it's definitely a different landscape to. America, and then even again, it's a completely different landscape to what it is in um, in the UK. That's and because Europe of the lack of like mountains. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Different landscape. Okay, yeah, continue. And, and I'm currently upside down. So <laughs> yeah, in a time zone that doesn't um, exist. Yeah, continue. <laughs> um, well, look, I, I think that I think that it's not as if that there's one right or wrong answer. I think that they can just both coexist in the sense that. I, I, I think that there is a huge benefit in there being a professional group like you guys have, like the Nike, like the, you know, the Bauman Track Club, the, the former Oregon Project, the, the Oregon Track Club. I think that having groups and situations like that is, is incredibly good moving forward. Um, and Under Armour have just set there up. I think it's like Team Dark Sky or whatever it is. Yeah, in, you should probably know the name. Yeah, I think it is Dark Sky. <laughs> well no, i'm i'm a part of that brand not the the group so that's yeah, fair but yeah anyway Dave's um, that guy I, he's that guy so he knows everything i uh, i think that uh 
I just, I just think that both those dynamics that you said uh, uh, can, can, can both coexist. So, you know, for example, like the, the Bossar group, I, I think that if you believe in someone that can work as a coach, but you're with a separate group, I think uh, with a separate company, I think that that can work. And I think that's pretty much the way that it works in the UK. Like, um, I'm trying to think about, you know, um, um, like, is it Andy Young? Is he, is he specifically with a brand? So I want to say that, I don't know. I think he's, obviously his athletes are all Nike, but there's not really a lot of different sponsorships in the UK that kind of move there. Like I know Brookstone sponsor over there. We don't have a lot of Under Armour. It's like mostly Nike and um, New Balance. So yeah, yeah. a little so, bit of Adidas here and there, but yeah, he, that, all of his athletes are Nike. So I don't know if it's a Nike sponsored group or he's just yeah. bringing Nike athletes I on. think. I think that if you if you have a coach, so say Boss Hard is the Boss Hard compared to you know the Brooks Beast or the um, or one of the Nike groups. I think that if you're in a situation and you're set up well in your individual contract, then you should definitely go to a coach like that. I think that the benefit in having that group is that you just guys have so many you know so many benefits being part of a a, a sponsored group where you know I'm assuming that a lot of your travel is is, is looked after a bit more. You get Yep. physio, gym work, whatever it might be. So I think that it's just instead of having those individual contracts at a coach like, you know, Boss Hard, the similar is just, it's just all centralized and you get to do everything together and it's looked after a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, I, like I said, I don't think there's a, a wrong and a right answer. I, I think that each athlete is obviously an individual and they just need to make up the decision on what works best for them. But, you know, if, if you're looking at the the brand based groups. I mean, the Nike guys, you guys, this on athletic club, they're, they're the ones that are, you know, getting all the results at the moment. So maybe that is the way going forward, but obviously as a, from a brand perspective, it's got to be a business issue for them and they have to yep. get return on their investment as well. So it's, it's hard to say, but you know, I'm, I'm obviously of the, the other side, I suppose, where I have my own contract and I'm not with a coach that is, you know, contractually obligated to coach certain people so i think they both can work but yeah it's, it's i think i think in in your situation versus like a danny situation um i think it's just easier on the coach or smoother or it's a smoother transition on the coach for the athletes where it's like you know um Danny's annoyed with something uh, and he can go to our brand about it and then they, they figure it out rather than like, if you're in, if your mom's annoyed at something that's going on with you, like you're not getting enough travel paid for, you're not getting the money for mm. physio or whatever it is. Like, I feel like that might be harder on your mom versus like a Danny where it's like a bit of a smoother transition in like communication. Yeah. Exactly. That's the only difference I, I can see. Yeah. I just think that there's, there's obviously a lot more benefit and a lot more pull that you can have when you've got a, 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 a sponsored group, because that's, that's where the investment, that's where the money's going. So you want to protect your investment as best as possible, but in terms of performance and, and I think I, I, I purely think that both can work because, you know, there's been medalists that have come from both perspectives. So yeah, it, yeah, exactly. both can definitely work. And I think that's a, a testament to, to like the individualness of track and field. Like there's not a one yep. say all for success. Um, and when it comes to contracts as well, cause we kind of spoke on that a little bit. Um, like, so what in your eyes then do you think like could be better in athlete contracts? Because in our sport, like it's very weird how our contracts work. And that's something that Josh and I try to disclose 
as much oh, yeah. and as little information as possible. But like to, to add clarity, oh, wait, or do you want to add Josh? No, I just, I, I feel like it's a difficult question to, and like, we don't want to put on the spot too much here, but like for me, in, in my only, own opinion, it's like for big sports like basketball and football and, and baseball and things, you know how much people are earning. And we all sign NDAs, which means no one knows how much, how massive contracts that we earn. So it's like, um, I know Josh's number. I won't tell it maybe for like a hundred retweets or something. I'll, oh, I'll share his digits because right. I worked out the percent math when he was talking about it, but continue Josh. I know how much you make. No, you don't. Um, so, you know, we, we sign these non-disclosures, um, which I'm not even sure I can disclose. Uh, so I don't know, it's, it's, it's difficult in a, to, to grow a sport when people don't have any information on how we're treated as athletes. And, and I think, you know, I think every brand does that. Um, and it's just like a standard in, in the industry. And I, I do feel like that, you know, as time goes on, maybe, you know, I didn't bring it up in my contract conversation being like, Hey, maybe I don't sign this and maybe we can do benefits from it. And, and, you know, I haven't even thought about having that conversation, but you know, it is, it is an interesting conversation to talk about, you know, is that something that's holding back the sport, you know, in a way where people can have more engagement and we can talk about, you know, the ins and outs, the good stuff, the bad stuff. And that means that, you know, certain brands can be exposed for, for how, how they are treating their athletes. Whether that's good or bad, exposed for a good yeah. thing or a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some, yeah, well, you know, like brands that are doing great things. There's some brands, brands that are doing bad things. Like, it's the like same Hoka. In every sport. Hoka's like now providing health insurance potentially. Is that, yes. is that the but they, they said that as well. Yeah. So like, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm, um, I'm in, I'm like literally before you um, stepped in there, Josh, I was literally about to say the exact same thing. I think that there's, there's no clarity and transparency in, it, it there's just no understanding of purely what an athlete truly is worth. And I think it's, it's, yeah. Like even though there's no, you know, cookie cutter approach to football or basketball, there still is this dynamic where if you're a, you know, if you're the best in the league, you're making, making 30 million a year. If you're, you know, kind of on the, on the starting five, but, you're not the best player, you're making 15 million. So even though there's not this, you make this much, you make this much, there kind of is just based on the clarity of what people are earning. Um, and that's, yeah, like, I don't really know how much I can and can't comment on the, the dynamic of a contract, but the whole idea of not being able to know what other people are making, just, it just, it just, it, it takes the power away from the athlete and it puts the, the power either into the manager's hands or, into the brand's um, brand's hands, and I just I just don't like the dynamic that someone say for example you get two people that are running three thirty. No, doesn't matter what country you run for, doesn't matter you know where where you're from, who your manager is. In my mind, those are two athletes that are essentially identical that should be making you know similar money, but depending on what country you're from, who your manager is, that could be the difference between making half a million dollars a year and maybe making $20,000 a year. So it just, there's just, there's just certainly a, an unhealthy dyna dynamic and relationship between whether it's brand to athlete or whatever it might be. But I certainly think that there has to be a bit more clarity. And when I, when I hear like, you know, murmurs and stories about what, you know, athlete X is making, athlete Y is making, I think that that's possibly a good thing because people are starting to get a bit more of an understanding of 
what someone could be worth. And I don't know. Well, I don't know if this is even what I'm saying is I'm allowed to say, but that's, that's my view on it. And yeah. Dave makes 20,000 a year and I make half a million a year. I understand. Yeah. yeah and that's like, just, that's the rumors we're spreading. That, that's what rumors are spreading. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess if we're talking about contract rumors too, so I don't even know if this is true, but I heard a rumor that Centro had like a million dollar payout, instant payout if he won Olympic gold in his Nike contract. Is that true? Because like I heard like if he won gold, immediate. Like, do I, you guys have, yeah, have you heard that I, or is that just me? I've I've definitely heard that murmur. I haven't heard it from Centro's mouth. So until yeah. there's a confirmation from Centro, I, it's just a rumor. But yeah, it's uh, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't heard that from a few people. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah. this is honestly a little heavier talk conversation that I thought we were going to have. So Josh, you want to lead us to a little bit more of a <laughs> upbeat sit and kick well, segment you know, before we get into the band. Yeah, we're moving, we're moving back, uh, into the, you know, our normal kind of routine here. And we have, we, not, we like to have a little game, uh, during, uh, the podcast and, and we like to I say we more me. Yeah. You named the game too. <laughs> I'm a genius with this stuff. Um, so, uh, we like to make a game that's kind of related to our guest. And I would say when I think of you, the first thing I think of is your mustache that you don't have anymore. <laughs> don't have one so, of them, yeah. Uh, the game that I have made is called Who Grows It Best? Uh, I, I, I tried out a couple names for this. Who it's, Grows no, It no, Best? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead and uh, give, the, give all your names. I like the names. Um, which stashy is the most nasty? Uh, and then facial <laughs> hair or facial bear. So those are the kind of ones I was going for, but I didn't know which one to use, but I've said all three. So the name of the game is we're going to give you two athletes that have facial hair and you're going to tell us which, you know, who wears it better. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, you'll know everyone in here. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that most of them might, might listen to it and might, might get annoyed, might get a little, little bit beefy with you, but we'll, uh, we'll start. <laughs> Um, and okay. I'll give you some backstory on, on these two. We've, we've obviously got Dave, um, who used to rock a horrible mustache. That, um, I'll give you a little bit more backstory than that. He was sitting down with our nutritionist one day, uh, having a meeting, and he was chewing on it. And my nutritionist told me afterwards who I, I had the meeting on afterwards. And he was like, uh, yeah, Dave was chewing on his mustache the whole meeting, and it was the most disgusting thing. So I'm going to have to go and wash my hands. And then versus <laughs> Henry Wynn, who had – an an amazing mustache that he grew for his DEA, DEA agent costume uh, last uh, October for Halloween. Seems so a little anyway. bit biased. You say he has an amazing mustache and I'm chewing on mine <laughs> in a nutrition meeting. You're obviously yeah. giving him all right, more, all right. more. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen either of those mustaches, but Henry Wynn versus Dave Rivich, who you, who you choose and has bare facial hair. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 got, I, I think I just have to go. I I don't think I ever saw both, but I think I just have to go rivet. Just purely the confidence, just the bite on the mustache. <laughs> I like to grab, grab the side of that and put it, it, was put it in horrible, my mouth. Man, it was it was just horrible. I could twist the tips too and make it like a little cowboy one. So that's all I had a little fun in me. I'll give it to Dave. I'll, I'll give him that one then. Um, so then the next one, I'm, I'm not going to give you an introduction or I'm not going to tell you backstories on these people um, because you don't need a sad tale. You just need to look at, look them in the eye, tell them if they're ugly or not. So Matthew Baxter or Pat Tiernan. <laughs> oh, I'll go Tiernan purely because he's an Aussie brother. <laughs> like it, like it. Sam Parsons versus Drew Hunter. Oh, if you ask Sam, if you ask them to, Sam would say Sam, wouldn't he? To be fair, I'd probably say Sam as well. He's he's a pretty good looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
then this will be hard for you because you have two fellow Aussies, Morgan or Ollie. Oh, wow. Let's go, Morgan. That's I fair. Like uh, Bucci or me? <laughs> Bucci was rocking that stash for a while, which I can grow, but I mean, look at okay. me going now. Say, hey, Josh, you don't need I'm to add a, more bias I, in it. I'm a big fan of the Scots. The Scottish middle distance and distance runners are probably my, some of my favorite people on the circuit, but I'm only going to go Butchie. One, because you're probably going to angry if I didn't say him. And two, <laughs> just because he had a mustache. Oh, tough. <laughs> Not a I lamb chop. That, I knew that would get me. I knew that would get me. So, so you're saying if, if a girl walked up to you and had a mustache, you'd find her more attractive than if a girl walked up with like lamb chops. Is that correct? Well, I'm saying, well, it's, it's kind of, that's also an assumption that I'd find someone with that attractive, but. <laughs> but yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, probably the mustache. <laughs> Um, so this is, this is gonna be a tough one. Angles or yourself. Ah, uh, oh, wow. I do like myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll go, I'll go with angles purely because I think he started rocking the mustache on like a international slash national level before me. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, lastly, uh, Henrik Ingerbritsen versus Philip Ingerbritsen. Oh, man, Philip Ingerbritsen, he is is just perfect looking, I reckon. (laughs) He looks like he, I don't know, he looks like he should be a model or something. Mate, I'll tell you what, Henrik, though. Yeah, Henrik has like the, like it's coming up here as well, but. I, I don't know whether it's a Norwegian thing or not, but they. They're, they're, they're they like looks, to batter people in looks. races. Is that, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> nah. They like to push people they, over in races. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I'm not going to get that political. <laughs> but they, uh, their looks, they've, they've certainly mastered their looks. That's true. Um, all right, I'm not so that, get into the other thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that does, we don't need to because I think we're gonna have enough um, on our hands going into the banter ball. So we are now moving into the ever famous sit and kick banter ball. Um, the banter ball, Josh. You want to give the rundown of the rules, kind of the conversation that's about to take place. So this is a little bit different. We've never really done this before. We haven't written any like banter ball stuff, even though I, I've already made one since we started this podcast. So we, we put out the question and you put out on your story of like any fan submit banter ball questions, we'll put, we've written all of them down, um, but we're going to pick our favorites, uh, which are in here. And, and, and they're pretty savage, actually, if I'm being honest. Well, um, I, I definitely have, away from running, I have definitely very normal friends and I can guarantee you that I've probably been stitched up by people that don't really care about running at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I think that it might not be them because there's okay. some running specific stuff in here that blows my mind. Legitimately. Fuck indeed, mate. Yeah. And, and with that said too, like there might be some times where I have to bleep some things out um, that will be said. And again, like I'm going to relay it. We can always edit some things out. Don't yeah, feel the pressure. Yeah, anything of... you don't want in here, we'll, we'll definitely, yeah. We'll def- nah, why don't we go through yeah, it? Because yeah. it starts off a bit easy and then it definitely moves into like some rougher stuff. Yeah. Uh, all right. Go on then, Dave. Why don't you, you start? I'll, well? I'll lead off with the soft one. Um, Josh typically throws the hardest punches. So I'll go, I'll go with from Terra Firma 3K. 
Um, she goes, or he goes, uh, why has Team Matthews Running been voted the most popular running group in Australia? So that's pretty nice. See, that's nice. Probably because, probably because we just paid everyone to vote for us on the poll. <laughs> Wait, was there actually without, a poll? Without, uh, there, was, there was a, you know, like the, you guys, you, oh, I definitely see it more in the UK, but you know, you have those like, you know, like pace production and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Pa- like, like tracks. That, the- yeah, tracks. We, there's, a, there's, a, there's a page. I can't remember which page it was, but I think it was like Runner's Banter or something like that. They just had, they just voted. They just said um, they probably had 16 groups or 32 groups or whatever it might have been. And they just did the polls for, mm. and yeah, we won. Um, yeah, probably because we paid everyone out of our multi-million dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got one here. It says, uh, or from, I don't know, some J Yep Parrot. Um, yep. Does Luke have a new puppy? And if so, why does he never post about it? <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to get me in this, to the same situation about Commonwealth Games and stuff. Like, oh, did he go to the Commonwealth Games? I've never seen him post about it. <laughs> well, we got a few uh, of those yeah. coming up. Yeah, I got a dog and I have fucking absolutely abused social media and I love it. And I'm looking at it right now and yes, I did get a dog. And I have posted a lot about it. <laughs> Do you think you've posted more about your new dog or Commonwealth Games? Oh, it's hard to beat the Commonwealth. <laughs> um, so this one, I, we're, we put this in as a, as a funny joke. This person goes, no banter, but I've seen myself run on a monitor and it's mad ugly. So not really sure where that adds into our conversation, but we need to plug it. Uh, that's from Hannah St- Stewie, something along those lines. Um, so Josh, you want to go with the ice in the veins one? Oh yeah. He said, what, what was with the ice in the veins celebration after you won that? He's 1500 meters. Isaac. Um, yeah. I, to be honest with you, no, no, I, I, I don't know. I think it's something that I definitely want to phase out of. And it's, I've certainly just done a few celebrations and stuff like that in the past. And, Usually they're pre-planned or I've had a couple in my mind, but I don't know. I can't remember what it was. I think I was just watching Brooklyn or I think I was just watching Brooklyn last year and I watched D'Angelo Russell um, do the ice in the veins and I thought it was pretty cool. So I went with that. <laughs> no, I don't, not, not, it didn't mean anything or anything. I could have been any, it could have been one of anything, but yeah, that's just what I went with. I think I saw it like, cause you pointed to your arm, right? Like ice in your veins. Is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw this post. I would hate to say it was from a message board, but I think it said something along the lines of Luke Matthews says he's doping in celebration. I'm like, that's probably <laughs> not the point because that kind of defeats the purpose of people that dope. They don't want to be saying I'm doping. Yeah, so. I, if, if I only closed in 51 that day, I would have done it in 49 if I had. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll skip the Luke Matthews versus Nick Simmons. We don't have to touch on that. We'll skip the imagine leaving Nike for Under Armour. We'll skip that. We'll skip the ask about why his endless posts on his page of the 2018 Commonwealth Games. We've covered that. So we'll move to, this is a, might be a little story for you. You might have to t- touch us on this. Forgets his wallet when he goes to the railway hotel from Jacob Smith. Is that a familiar story to you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Not really, <laughs> but kind of. So the railway hotel is a, is a pub here, which from my old place, it was about 500 metres away. And now it's, it's, it's only about a 10-minute drive from where I am now. But it's a place where in the off-season, I spend a lot of time. I probably have to pay rent there. <laughs> um, and Jacob Smith is one of the, the bartenders there. And he uh, seems to think that, Whenever I go up there, he's gonna get that I'm. I he probably assumes he probably thinks that I assume that he's gonna give me free drinks every time. So that's probably what he's implying. But yeah, I certainly don't bring my wallet out when he's uh, working the bar. 
Mikey. That sounds like a pretty good deal. We need to go to Australia, Dev. Um, so this one is, we're getting there on the, on the harshness here. And, and I, I would love to hear your opinion. I have something he has left that belongs to him. His soul. He left it at Cork. Do you have his address? From Silly Sully Lol. That's, that's actually Marcus O'Sullivan's son from the Villanova head coach. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Cork, Cork was my, in 2017, was my last race before World Champs. And at that time, I was, I was falling out with my coach. I was absolutely cooked. And I had every intention of trying to run the World Champs qualifier, which was, I think, 145.9. And I'm pretty sure I ended up running 151. So uh, pretty close to it. Uh, and uh, because, I was in a, because I was in a bit of a bad way with just everything that was going on, coaching, physical, mentally, had one of the... Biggest nights I've ever had with Silly Sally, and yeah, might have left my soul in cork. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, again, submitted question. These aren't us attacking you, Luke. I want you to keep in mind that we are big fans of you. We support you. We're g- great friends with you. Um, Josh, hit it with the. Yeah, so these are gonna be quick run, ones. Yeah, run, run only in jeans or run only on the treadmill for a year. Oh. I'd probably go treadmill. I, man, I hate wearing jeans at the best of times. Yeah. yeah. I would also go that. And then what's the next one after that? Name the next uh, three. Uh, are you trying to be an Angles lookalike? And, and then we'll go with C, if he knows what shoes Josh was wearing when he won Euro Juniors, the Rain Man of Spikes from Jake Wyman. <laughs> yeah, that is one thing that I, I, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, I have a, an amazing ability to recall what spikes people wore in races. Really? Um, but yeah, I'd say for you, you, you always wore the, either the Victory Elites or the Victory Twos yeah. um, the whole way through college. So I'd say you probably wore the, you wanted it in 2015, yeah? 15, yeah. 2015. I'd guy. say you probably. Yeah, that guy. I'd say you. I'd say you probably wore the the all white um, victory twos. That's correct. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't even remember. And, it. I'm guessing so. Yeah, I. It's it's. I don't know whether it's a skill or whether it's just. I don't know. It's probably a blessing and a curse. But I think it's just. I've always just been interested in shoes or sneakers and stuff like that. Specifically spikes. And yeah, I. I specific more more more. Yeah, well, I can pretty much mostly recall what bikes people wore back to yeah for, for a while <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty cool i would i would ask if you knew what spikes i wore but chances are you probably didn't watch division two athletics because oh, no, 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 no. everyone, everyone does man everyone yeah, everyone does it. yeah i mean every I'd time division D, d1 i'm pretty good at but yeah maybe not d2 <laughs> yeah that's that's fine i mean there's there was a let's run article during our nationals it was like ncaa nationals and then it was baby nationals was the sub tag underneath <laughs> it so we get referred to as, as a variety of things but we did well, get a math i, I, I ran yeah, go for, for a while with um kev bat so okay I'd yeah follow, um adam state a fair bit so yeah i, I don't say it's a, a good a laugh bit. of a program oh say that again say that a bit later <laughs> so adam so state is a good back. laugh of a program they uh yeah, we they we come from a smaller budget out on the west side of the the country. No altitude, no conversions. We just go into a championship and get results, and typically make finals and get medals. But um, yeah, that'll, I'll probably get some heat for that. But um, yeah, Adam State. I'll tell Kev. Yeah, a successful program. I love all the guys that come out of there. Mostly, 
Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so moving on to you, Luke. So we did have a, a guy named Matthew um, say you spelt your name wrong. So we just wanted to clarify with you that you need to add a T. And this is um, the... Well, yeah. when, I, when I say Matthews, I don't do it with a stutter. Anything with two T's is Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. Fair enough. I'll, um, I'll let uh, Matthew know that that is the case. Um, so well, ma- mathematics, mathematics, that's one T, Matthew. Okay, fair. Um, sure. I'm sure you've been told this a couple times. So we're almost done, Luke. Thank you for dedicating six hours of your day to us. Um, your dog's fine. We'll, we'll uh, honestly, a little bit more interesting to hear from him than you at times, but um, we're going in. This is a savage question. This person did their research. How does it feel to have not run a PR in 1,184 days and was it in the 1K? That, right. Name and shame who that was, by the way. That was Adrian that Arc 7. Um, look, you got some enemies there, there, dude. I, well, I don't even... Well, I actually am going to put myself deeper in here because that was my first ever 1K. So that's technically a default <laughs> PB. So my, my last PB would have been... It, would have, it was when I ran my PB 335.5. So that would have been... Probably the first week of June. So I'm actually going to make it worse for him. I'm actually going to make it worse for myself. The 1K is default, so that doesn't even count. Um, <laughs> it was my first ever one on track. But in terms of that, yeah, it fucking hurts. <laughs> because every single year, 2018 and 2019, I'm like, yeah, this is, year, this is the year I run 330, 331. And I don't do it. So, yeah, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the realness of it. I feel you. I mean, I'm not on a, I'm not on a cold spell that bad, but I, I snick, snipped a PB by like 0.0 something. I was just like, thank God. Like, that's yeah, it. That's I all need I needed. To, I need to go run a 3K or something like that because my 3K is only 8.20. So oh, yeah, maybe I'll that. do something like that. Hopefully yeah. you got that. I would hate to say you got that, that you run 8.21. And I mean, I've, run, I've only run 8.35, so we can maybe do a duel, mate. <laughs> yeah. You would have right. ran quicker through your 5K though. Oh, must have done, huh? Uh, Josh, you want to hit this, that split. Hit, hit this last question and we get to plug the name since we've been plugging all the names. I'm going to plug the name to start with. Okay. Carissa Nelson. Do you know who that is? She's a beast on our team. Fresh out of Samford. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, no, I did say that. Yeah, yeah, because I, I had a friend, friend's sister that went to Samford. I was like, that's the only other time I've heard of Samford before, but yeah. Okay. Whoa. He was the first guy in track and field that I found hot. But now I'm not sure. Also, Luke's kind of old. Definitely listening to this podcast. Need to see who my freshman crush really is. I'm only 25. I know, right? She's 25? She's got like 23, yeah. 24, yeah. I, um, so, yeah. yeah I, I, probably, I probably peaked as an athlete and in all aspects of life when I was 21. So I'll, I'll cop that on the shoe too. <laughs> You got a dog and a girlfriend now. That I feel like that's a little bit of a step up for you. Yeah, it's retirement season now. <laughs> All right, Luke. And then typically at the end of every episode, we let the guest um, name the episode. It could be something funny, clickbaity, whatever you feel as though really brought out um, the best of both worlds for our podcast and yourself. So whenever you're ready, give you a three, two, one countdown. And are you ready? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one. Uh, so this will be the sit and kick podcast with the bloke whose friends don't think that highly of him. <laughs> Perfect, Mate, Luke. It was um, an absolute blast having you on. Yeah, that was um, I know we're definitely going to be seeing each other on the on the world circuit pretty soon. So we'll rest up and we'll definitely see you in 2021.
Yeah, I mean, ideally I get to see you guys for an indoor season, but don't think we're going to be able to do that anytime soon. But yeah, hopefully we're uh, somewhere in Europe or America next year and then hopefully get to party or run first to party and take <laughs> both of you together. Exactly. Beautiful, mate. That sounds awesome. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Luke. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your start of your Sorry. day. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Bye. See you guys. Yeah. yeah. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest D2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage.